Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. problem with the pulpit many times is that we try to appeal to the intellect of people. My head, putting something in your head and bypassing the whole heart. They tell us, they don't tell me because I don't go, but they tell you in church growth seminars that Sunday morning needs to be real, real fast. Get it done in 38 to 40 minutes. Stay away from anything heavy. Don't, don't offend the newcomer. Don't offend the people. Well, I find out most people, including myself, needs to be offended every now and then. Huh? Hmm? Now, we're not here to give offense, you understand. But they say Sunday morning is when you're putting down the nets, you're fishing. So you need to, you need to keep it light. Well, I thought, well, if three quarters of the church never comes back until next Sunday, then all they ever go, and guess what? Light. Light and easy. But I find out their problems are heavy. So if they got a heavy problem and you got a light answer, if you put a heavy weight in the ring with a light weight, someone's going to get knocked out. Hmm? Then I was reading over the book of Acts. You ever been over there? They was in the upper room, 120 people waiting for days and days and days. Everybody thinking, what? you know, he said, come here and wait. But it's been all these days. But suddenly, someone say suddenly. suddenly. Say God like suddenly. Like say God's ready to do suddenly. Ask your neighbor, you ready for a suddenly? That means your situation just suddenly turns around. Hmm? Now, is God intellectual? It's not a trick answer. I'll say it another way. Is God smart? Oh, you can answer that. Well, that's intellectual, right? Hmm? Is there a test man made that he can't pass? What do he need to study for? Does he need multiple choice? Could he do all the way fill in the blank? Could he write an essay? He could do the whole thing, right? So an intellectual God would do something with people who we think sometimes we're intellectual. We're not as intellectual as we think. They went to the upper room, waited on God, and all of a sudden God sent the Holy Ghost as he promised, right? The Bible says it sat upon each one of them. He did it suddenly. It was like cloven tongues of fire that sat upon each one of them's head. Does that make sense to you? And then this intellectual God by the Holy Ghost caused them to speak in tongues that wasn't their tongue. It was somebody else's tongues. It was somebody else's language. But because of the feast that everyone was there, when these 120 people staggered out of the upper room, that's what they did, they staggered. Does that sound like something an intellectual God would do? Have you speak in some weird tongue and be staggering? Hmm? See, if you grew up in certain denominations, stuff like that scares you. I grew up in it, and it scared me. Right? Now, when we wasn't at church and we was partying and doing things, we didn't mind staggering. But the enemy is a counterfeit. You know the word drunk is found in the Bible before it's found anywhere else? 
huh? Did you know Noah got drunk? You said, well, he wasn't supposed to. Well, you ride with them animals for four days, see if you don't want something to drink. You, can you imagine what that smelled like? Then you got all the carcasses of the whole world out there, stinking, right? And yes, it was wrong, but he partake of strong drink, Buzzy said. <laughs> but they're in the upper room and they're waiting. They're waiting on what? Jesus said, I've called you and ordained you. He says, but wait. Remember? Luke 24, 49 says, but tear you in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. So they went there and they were waiting on the Holy Ghost. Actually, 500 went there, but 380 couldn't wait no longer, so they left. 120 was left there. One of them was the mother of Jesus. And the Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Hmm. 19 years of age, I was in Assembly of God Church. It was a Tuesday, it was a revival. And there really wasn't any teens there because they were, we had a church softball game and all half the men were playing softball to represent the church while the church was having a revival. Never really figured that one out. <laughs> all the name of fellowship, we missed the revival. But I went there. I was one of the few male figures in there. I was 18, 17 or 18, and there was a, I don't know who, who the speaker was, but he was there doing a revival for a few days. And at the end, because I've been around this all my life, but I, I didn't want to, I didn't really want that. Because those people looked out of control. And I thought, well, if you don't know what you're saying, and I don't know what you're saying, and don't none of us know what you're saying, why are we saying it? And looking crazy doing it. Huh? Does that make sense? I mean, to the mind, it makes no sense. It's just foolish, right? But the Bible says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak unto man, but, how, but he speaks unto who? So when you're speaking in an unknown tongue, this is going to get deep now, just bear with me. An unknown tongue is a tongue that you don't know. It's deep. I went to Bible school to get that one. An unknown tongue. Well, God knew some things was going to happen in your life that you wouldn't be able to fix. There's some things that God knew about your life that you, not only would you fix, but you'd try to fix them. Now, no one here has ever tried to fix something they don't know how to fix. I mean, not here. But we all have a brother-in-law or sister-in-law, right? So he gave us a gift called the Holy Ghost. If you're a believer, the Holy Ghost is not near. He's in. He's in you. The Bible says this, this Bible was written by holy men of old. God used men and women to use, to write this book we call the Bible. It said he inspired them and he told them what to write. Now people say, well, now how do we really know? How do, we really, how do you know anything? I get so tired. Well, how do we know this is the real translation? How do we really know when they got pastor Fred and Sam and George and Bill and Timmy and Frank and Annie, how, how it's really the Bible? Because the Holy Ghost told me it was. And if something's wrong, he tells me that too. He said, that is too simple an answer. I'm sorry, you're so complicated. See, we have to come to a place of trust. Trusting in him. 
And so God sent himself by, through Jesus. Jesus went back to heaven after he was resurrected. And he said, when I leave, he said, one just like me is coming. Just like me is coming. In other words, if I have a $5 bill and you have a $5 bill and we swap $5 bills, how much do we both have? Will the, the, will the $5 bill I gave you do what it would have done for you? The answer is yes. Would your $5 bill do for me what yours would have done if we hadn't swapped? Yes. So Jesus said, I'm going to send one just like me. And it's going to be better if I send him and I go. And all that you've seen me do, you're going to do. And he's going to teach you all things. And all things that you don't even know and you can't remember. And things that I've said, I'm going to bring back to your remembrance. And he's going to be with you forever. So you have a God from another world living in your belly. What I'm saying is the author of this book took residence up in you. So I don't know why. I mean, I'm in a full gospel church growing up. Full gospel. And we'd sing songs like, come by here, Lord. Reach down and touch me. He touched me. He didn't want to touch you. He jumped inside, dude. He zipped himself up. He's in your spirit and your spirit's sealed. Did you know since, you, since you've been born again that you, the new man in Christ, you, the new man, not you, the flesh, not you, the soul, not you, the think thing, but you, the real spirit has been sealed and you, the new man in Christ, has never, ever, ever sinned. You don't think the spirit in you got involved in doing that kind of stuff, did you? So in your spirit, you've never sinned. In your spirit, you've never missed it. The new man in Christ has never missed it, has never failed, has never made a mistake. And he's in there. He's in you now. You know what his goal is for you? Victory. <laughs> victory on every side. Someone say victory. Victory. So I got the victory. I got the victory. So you're not trying to get to a victory. Dear God, you're coming, you're coming from one. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Jesus has already won this thing. Yes. Amen. I said Jesus has already won it. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on, say, I already won. So you're not trying to win. I already won. Why would you want to get healed? You're already healed. Just say, I receive it. That's it. That's it. It's all over. Smith Wordsworth says, someone ought to rebuke you for praying about anything that could be said according to the Word of God. When he said that, I was rebuked. Years ago. Hey, I'm just reading his book, and he says, if the Bible said it, and it's a promise to you, he said, what in the world are you doing praying about it? I said, uh, uh, no one here has ever prayed for something that's already in the Bible that Jesus has already done, have you? I ate some instant oatmeal this morning. You ever, ever had that? Because it's instant. Milk, microwave, right? There were two boxes of it. When I opened up the pantry, I said, no, Lord, please let the oatmeal that's in here be in here. <laughs> then I, I selected a flavor, right? And I put it in the bowl and I got some milk out. Well, I went to the refrigerator to get the milk out. And I said, Lord, please let the milk that I see in front of me be the milk in front of me. That's how good Baptists would do it. So they wouldn't put their hands up. They said, please let the milk. 
if it's an optimized, it's not there, everything happened for a reason. <laughs> the reason is you forgot to buy milk. <laughs> or oatmeal. Right? Hmm? But the Holy Ghost, man, he'll believe he make, he's making oatmeal with no milk or no oatmeal, nor a bowl, nor a microwave. So we need some balance in there. So you have a God from another world living in you. How many are born again? You go, well, if, if today's the last day on earth, which it could be. It could be. You know, this could start eternity there. When we get there, this is going to be a seven-year celebration. The marriage supper of the Lamb. How many of y'all know that? I've been to church, you know that. It's a seven-year feast. That means we eat seven years nonstop. Don't miss that. No calories, no carbs, do what you want to. That's a good enough reason to go to heaven if there ain't no other reason. Right? So here we are in heaven. And the Holy Ghost came and he came down to earth and he's living in me. He's living inside me. So I need to be God inside minded. See, all the victories from, from right here. Huh? You ought to just hold yourself sometimes like this. You know, just like a mother with a child, and she knows that there's life in here. There's life in you. You got life in you. Amen. So when you need healing in your body, don't ever look for it to come from here. Now, that's gone. I'm going to mess with some of your mind here for just a minute. Your, your healing is not coming from there down. See, that's asking you to do, you're asking the Lord to do something he's already done. Why would you do that? Right? So when you're born again, the Bible says he came to live in your spirit, in, in your well. Amen. See, this is your well. It's called the well of salvation. That's where the Holy Ghost is. He's sealed in you. And the Bible says when Jesus was raised from the dead after a cruel, cruel punishment that he didn't deserve, we did. He went from that and he, he went to the he went to hell for three days. Paid the price for you and me. God was satisfied at three days and brought him up. And then the scripture says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead out of hell. Have you ever heard of anyone getting out of hell? Jesus got out. Yes, sir, once. One man got out once. So don't go there and try it. You won't be leaving. So he said the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. What kind of power would it take to get someone out of hell who's dead? He said that same identical spirit is what and who's in your spirit. Amen. So when you need healing in your body, anywhere, you reach in and you, you reach in by faith into your spirit and you draw out of the well of salvation and you disperse. See, all healing... Any kind of healing, emotional, physical, of any type, it's all nothing but the life of God. Yes. That's all it is. You're just releasing life. L-I-F-E, which is the word Z-O-E. Life is the word Zoe, the number 2222 in the Strongs. Life of God means the DNA of God. It means the nature of God. It, it means the substance that makes God God he put in you. 
and he put it in your physical being, and he lives there, and you have become a God house. The Holy Ghost is not in heaven, and he's not in Hoover right now. He's in Hoover in every believer. He's not in Jerusalem. He's not in Israel. He's not sitting next to Jesus. He's in you. You are the headquarters of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You never thought about that, have you? Where's the, where's the Holy Ghost? Here's the headquarters. He's in me. So I, I'm releasing the life out of my well into my physical body. And it's just receiving life all the time. So when you feel uh, when you feel some, ooh, us, oh, oh, put some life in there. You say, what's that? You'll check with me after 50. You'll know what a few of them ooh, ahs, and ahs. May get some before those. So you release that life. You release that life. You release it into your physical being. Glory be to God. So we got the mighty Holy Ghost here. You brought him, I brought him. Huh? He's not church. He's a God from another world living in you. He didn't come to have church. We're not in church, and we're not having church. Someone said, you could have fooled me. Well, you see, this is not the church because you're the church. And the church is not at 9900 County Road 42. That's just where we are right now, right? So wherever you go, that's where the kingdom of God goes. You are the kingdom headquarters of God. And as you go forth, the, the Holy Ghost in you, you see, He's in you, and he's helping you live this out. He's helping you make decisions. He's helping you make financial decisions. If you've been listening to him when you picked up that thing off the store, he said, put it back. Hmm? He'll help you with, some, with restraint. He'll help you with wisdom. He'll help you with raising children. He'll help you in the workplace. He'll help you in the home. He'll help you with your relationships. He knows everything. And he wants to get involved. But you can't live your life as a spiritual person into it. You can, but you're living in a flesh world. So you can't be halfway in the spirit and halfway in the flesh because neither one work. You either, either get all in or get out. Huh? He said, walk in the spirit and you won't be fulfilling all this stuff. So when you know something's wrong, quit doing it. Well, but everybody does it. Well, you want to go to hell, everybody? Reason I'm down here burning with y'all because y'all were down here. Well, how stupid can you be and breathe and walk, right? In other words, he wants to lead you into victory. But his ways are right. So when you read something, he says, become a doer of the word. So you read something. This is how I read the word. I read the word, and I said, oh, I'm not doing that. Okay, I, I will do that uh, immediately. In other words, make the adjustment right then. Well, we're going to get around to that. Well, that's worth 15 cents worth nothing. Make the adjustment right then. Y'all hear it? Make the adjustment just that quick. James said, hear and do. Hear and do. Jesus said, the reason why, and and I've always talked about this, and and when I counsel people before I marry them, I say, well, have you read any books on marriage? Well, no, (laughs) I haven't read no books. Well, why? Well, I don't like to read. I said, you like to fail? Well, I don't want to fail. Well, I said, well, how long are you going to stay married? Well, I hope forever. Well, what do you know about forever? 
Hmm? You're going to stay married forever, but you don't know anything about forever. Hmm? <clears throat> you ever heard me teach on this before? This is just an analogy. Say the guy who built this building. Obviously, he builds buildings, right? If, if, the, if, if this guy who built this building, had we found out that every other building that he built collapsed, would you come in here knowing that? Hmm? Y'all not talking to me? No. Whoever built this building, if every other structure he built collapsed, they don't know why, but it just does, would you want to go in one of his buildings? Would you want him to build your house? No. If the restaurant down the road, up the road, wherever, we don't know why, they don't know why, but every other person gets food poisoning. You want to go eat lunch there? If so-and-so motor company builds a certain car, they don't know why, but every other car, every other car that they sell, it just catches on fire. You know, when it's going down the interstate, just, you know, and people try to get out and keep being burned up. Do you want to buy one? Would you say those are bad odds? Is that kind of bad odds? If you go to a restaurant and you get food poisoning every other time, would that be bad odds? If you, if you go to the dentist and every other time he starts drilling, he loses his place and, and puts that drill in your gum. Would, would, would you go back? Would that be bad odds? Every other marriage ends in divorce. Every other marriage ends in divorce. You know why? I know, I know why. We weren't compatible. <clears throat> no, you didn't build the right foundation. Hmm? It's not by finding the best and the her. Because in the beginning, we all can be good. Then after about four, five, six, eight months, then you meet them. In them that you meet after you say, I do, they say, I do, but then they quit doing what they said I would do. Then they don't do what they said I would do. Then you wake up the next morning, and that hair ain't fixed, and the makeup's not all there, and you need a Listerine bottle real close, Right? And all that stuff that was attracting you now was repelling you. Because you don't have a proper foundation. Jesus said those with a proper foundation hear what I say and do them. And he called that person wise. He said the, per the person who reads my word, hears my word, and will not do it. He said they are a fool. Modern day translations, Jesus said they are pure stupid. Modern day translations, I didn't say it. Well, anyone, anyone here, your goal in life is to be stupid? No. I just want to be the stupidest person in my house. <laughs> well, really? Well, just don't do this. Is this too hard? No. Hmm? See, God wants you to have success in your life and in your home and in your finances and you're raising your children. And, and this book is, is a success book. It's the greatest success book, success book that you ever said. It won't sound like something I didn't want to say. <laughs> And it's got good advice about that too. <laughs> you can talk about money in church, right? You can talk about that in church. You ought, you ought to. Amen. I mean, he tells you when to do it, when not to do it. That's right. Amen. He said, if you ain't got one of these rings, quit doing it. Because it's wrong. Hmm? So I, I, I told a girl a long time ago, she said, well, I'm going to marry this guy. I said, why do you want to marry him? She said, well, I like him. I said, well, you like him? I said, well... <clears throat> Here's the problem. I understand you and him got together a few months ago. Well, we did. 
And I understand that he left her for you. She said, well, he did. I said, so why do you think he won't leave you for the next one? Because if he went out on her with you, <clears throat> that's what he does. No, it was his situation. No, it's his character. Yeah. And until he changes that, he's going to change his mind about you. Hmm? Got really quiet in this Holy Ghost church, didn't it? Hmm? Right? If, if she was seeing you without her husband and she met you and to see you, she's going to see somebody else again one day. That's just the odds, right? If I'm leaving my wife for another woman, hmm, why should the, the next one think that I won't do the same thing to her? Right? Well, I, I, I'm just happier now. Well, yeah, I know you are right now. Yeah. Of course you are right now because everything's new. Oh, oh, oh. My wife and I are not going to ever divorce. One reason is because we're too old and too tired to retrain somebody else. <laughs> I just don't have the energy to do it anymore. When I was in my 30s, someone said, you know, it'd be nice if a guy could have two 20-year-olds. And she told me from the beginning, she said, you're not wired for 220. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just the committed 110 guy. <laughs> and the best thing that ever happened in our home is when I received the Holy Ghost. And I, and I don't even know when it happened. I just got full of the Holy Ghost. Spoke in weird tongues at 19. Just babbled stuff and just said, that was crazy. Didn't know what I was saying. They never taught me about what it was about. So I never spoke again until I was 30. That's called church poor training. Then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Then I got married. Then I started having problems. Then we had lots of problems. And then our problems had problems. Then our problems, problems had babies with more problems. And we went down to the attorneys. She said, I don't like him and I don't like her. And we started to get all that and get it all over with in the third year of marriage. One Sunday afternoon, my mother loaded her up in the car. And Michelle told me, she said, I thought she was going to take me off in the country and kill me and bury me and they'd never find me again. <laughs> and I said, well... You come back with that was possible. <laughs> she, she could have done it. <laughs> if you didn't sign the right forms and convince her of what was going to happen, that could have happened. <laughs> and she just went off and talked to her. She'd already been the attorney. She said, I don't want to work it out. She said, I don't have no feelings for you at all. Don't love you at all. Just want to get away from you. She was 23, 22, and I was 23. End it all. But someone who knew God better than we did. Spoken to our lives. We got back that together that Sunday. Made a commitment to one another. And made a commitment to God. 
He made a commitment to be in church. Made a commitment to have a pastor. Made a commitment to be committed. And we stayed in church. And uh, someone said, if you'll, if you'll just go every time the door's open for six months, you, you'll, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. Not because of who's doing the ministry, because if it's the Word of God, the Word will change you. Yes, Jesus told His disciples, the Word that I spoke to you, He said, it has cleansed you. Yes. And man, you couldn't talk me into doing things I used to do 25 years ago. You couldn't pay me enough to do some of the things that I just, whatever. Sometimes just because we hadn't been trained. But we live in a society where just almost anything's acceptable. And it's not. It's not acceptable. See, whether you're talking about this or whether you're talking about something like homosexuality. See, here's the only deal about homosexuality. People think, well, that's the grossest sin there is. Now it's just gross to most people who aren't homosexuals. But to God, it's just sin. Right? To God, it could be stealing a pencil. It could be the same as overeating. Did you know in the Old Testament, overeating was the same punishment as being stoned to death? Did you know in the Old Testament, there were 613 laws you better keep. If not, you could be stoned to death. And some of them were kind of ridiculous to our mind. You could only walk so many steps on the Sabbath day. You could only exert so much energy. You couldn't even have a bowel movement on the Sabbath. It's in there. You better watch what you're eating on Saturday night. And you better stay away from licorice. But that is one of the commandments. You say, well, that's just... Well, tell him. The whole deal of that was to show the man that he of himself, of his ability, couldn't keep the law that he needed to save his name, Jesus Christ. And Jesus has kept all the commandments for you, and he summed it into one law. The Ten Commandments no more belongs to you than they do a monkey. Someone said, did, did you just say what I Yeah. You, the Ten Commandments have been fulfilled in Jesus and have been set aside. Matter of fact, they never were yours. Did you know that the Ten Commandments was given only to the Jewish people? And all you Jews, would you please raise your hand? So the Big Ten was never yours anyway. They was given to the Jewish people. But all of them were good and holy and righteous, but no one could keep them. And Jesus fulfilled all of them. And Jesus says, I want to give you one command that will take care of all the ten. He said, love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor the way you love you. Yes. I mean, you know that if you love people the way you love you, things will be okay. Yep. How many of you, be honest with you, how many of y'all love some of yourself? Yep. Yep. Oh, come on. There's only a few honest people in here. <laughs> huh? How, how many of y'all love yourself? You, you should love yourself, right? Yep. How many, come on, put your hand up and say, I love me some me. I love me. Woo, I love me some me. Right? Here's how I know. Here's how I know you love you some you. How many of y'all get a light bill every month? The rest of you, you got your hand up. It's coming. Oh, it's coming. In your name. And then you'll be the one going around. Uh, uh, turn that light off. We don't need that. Uh, uh, no, we, we, we don't. We, we don't go to sleep. My TV's turn them off. We go to sleep with a pillow. 
It's because you don't have a light bill in your name that you leave all that stuff on. I'm <laughs> just saying. Right? Yeah, when, when, it, when it's in your name, you will become Mr. Conservative. You'll never vote liberal again the rest of your life. So, so where was we at before y'all got me off on all that? <laughs> Do we have them songs yet? Are we teaching children's church all at the same time? Isn't this strange? How many of strange is good? Huh? I'm just telling you how to fix your life. Quit doing what you're doing most of the time. Learn, just learn to read. Okay, let's see. I, my life's been messed up since the beginning. Oh, well, here's where you can start. In the beginning. Hmm? In the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. And so this whole thing was summed up in one law, and that is the, that is the law of love. You see, if I love Bill the way I love me, Bill's going to be okay. Bill's going to have something to eat. Because how many of y'all like to eat? How many of y'all like to eat at least once a week? How many of y'all in the habit of eating more than one time a week? How many of y'all plan on having something to eat today? How about tomorrow? And the next day? So if you love Bill the way you love you, will Bill ever go hungry? How many of y'all like to have some clothes? Right, except in the shower, right? And if you do it, tell me, don't tell nobody because it would be weird. But anyway, so Bill's always going to be clothed, right? So if, if, if I loved you the way that Jesus loved me, and he told us, he said, love them even as I loved you. Love them as I loved you. <coughs> say, say that with me. Say, I'm to love, I'm to love the way Jesus loved me. Jesus. Now, how did Jesus love you? Was you always right? Was there ever a time that you was wrong? Did Jesus' love toward you change when you was wrong? When we make mistakes, we have actually wronged him, right? Did he love us when we wronged him? Yes. Now he gave you a, now he, that gives you a picture. That's what the cross does. It teaches you to X out what people have done to you. Yes. Right? Yes. So when, it, when he died for the guilty and the wrong, he's teaching you how to love somebody else when they do you wrong. That's right. Amen. You say, but, but you don't know what they did to me. Well, see, uh, here, here's the good news. There ain't no you. What are you talking about you? you? There ain't no you. You died. What are you talking about? What they did to me. They ain't no me. They ain't no you. you. You are dead. The problem is, is we got some live bait on the altar who ain't quite dead yet. They go to the altar and they're still... <laughs> and after a while, they get a few scriptures and kind of lay there for a little while and all of a sudden, somebody does something to them and they... Did you see the way she looked at me this morning? Well, the pastor didn't shake my hand, say nothing to me. I don't think he likes me. I think he's just preaching to me. Well, I might be. I don't know. <laughs> you don't think I stayed up all weekend trying to figure out something to preach to you. If I was going to do that, I'd just get your cell phone number and talk to you. <laughs> That'd be a lot easier. I could get some more rest. See, if I'm doing that to you, that means I'm trying to fix you. Let me ask you this. Has any, Nathan, have you ever fixed a human being in your life? No. no. See there? Ask somebody at least over 40, have they fixed another human? <laughs> Brother Levi, have you ever fixed a human being? Just fixed them. So why would I want to fix you? 
People say, well, people say, well, who's the people in the, who's your people in the church? I said, oh, I don't have no people. How many of y'all own people? That's called slavery. It's wrong, dude. I don't own people. You aren't my people. If you were mine, we'd get some work done at my house. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> I cleaned out 250 foot of gutter around this building this week, killed weeds and cut grass and everything else and tried to stop leaks and put in tile. That wouldn't have been me up there if I'd owned me some people. <laughs> no, I'd have been on the ground and had my people up there. <laughs> So that proves right now I don't, have, I, don't, I, don't, I don't own people. Aren't you glad you don't own people? Yeah. And you know, you know the problems that you have? You ever had problems? Y'all never had a problem? Yeah. <laughs> y'all need to be doing the preaching if y'all don't have problems. <laughs> I want to learn how that works. <laughs> no, but you, you've had some problems? Well, you're one person of seven billion on the planet. So God hears from all of us. What was that movie came out years ago? And who let, what's his name? Jim Carrey? Yeah. Bruce Almighty. And remember, he's, he's hearing all the people pray at one time. Man, if I was God, I'd shut that off. But that's the reason I'm not God. See, I just, uh, <laughs> me, I'm on vacation. <laughs> huh? So this is going on all the time. The Lord's hearing us all the time. But did you know he loves to hear your voice? Yes, he does. Hallelujah. And he knows, he, knows who's, he knows who it's coming from. His daughter, his son. He knows exactly where it's coming from. He's never confused about what to do for you. It's like you can give in a service that you said, I give and I shall receive. I'm going to give my tithe, my offering, and, and I'm going to reap a reward. And the Lord knows exactly where to send it. He never gets the mail mixed up. In other words, Lexi don't sow, and then the Lord gets confused and goes three rows down and gets them the blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, I'm winning. winning. Say, I'm winning on every side. Amen. See, lo lo love never fails. I know what I would do if I was a woman and I was contemplating marriage. This is no Norval Hayes thing. He said, Norval Hayes said, you ought to do this. He said, if you're, if you're, married, if you're, gonna, if you're contemplating marrying a guy, this is my advice, simple advice. Hardly anyone's ever listened to it. I've told it, and I've told it, and I'm waiting for the first person to listen to it. If you're contemplating marriage, especially if you're the female, find someone who's already doing Already doing, on their own before they met you, and he's the kind of person that you wanted to be right now. Not, not, not you gonna work on him. Not that you gonna pray about it. Not that it could be. Not that you heard a voice. Find someone already doing it. Because if you if you gonna marry me, and you think you're gonna turn me into a vegetarian, you are gonna be sad. Because <laughs> when you pour them ribs out of my plate. There's going to be some conflict. <laughs> now, I love some fruit and vegetables, but it goes better down with some barbecue. 
Find someone already doing this, right? So Nova Hayes would say it this way. He said, well, what you ought to do, he said, ma'am, he says, you ought to get, ask the pastor, can you have a key to the church? And he says, when he come pick you up on Friday night, he thinks they're going to go have a nice date and eat a big steak on Friday night. Say, no, nah, I don't think we want to do that. No, nah, I think we want to go to church and just pray in the Holy Ghost for about four hours. He said, huh? She said, yeah, let's go to church. We're just going to pray about our future. Pray in the Holy Ghost for four or five hours, and we'll leave there about midnight. She said, if he says okay, he said, marry him. If he says anything, anything other than okay, he said, introduce him to one of your friends and get away from him. <laughs> in other words, find someone who's already doing it and ask a bunch of questions. Ask him what he believes. Ask him why he believes it. So are you a tither? You're not? Oh, we're always going to be broke. <laughs> you don't tithe? You got the money. You don't have the money, you don't give. So you, in, you are in charge. Your wisdom is going to put you in charge of finances for your life. Well, you don't tithe. No, I don't need to know you. Ask a bunch of questions. What would you do in this kind of situation? What would you do in that kind of situation? Well, if you had a choice between this and this, what would you do? Well, let's just say I did this and we'd marry, what would you do? What's your mama believe? Now, I always, told, I always told men, before you marry her, check their mama. Because that's, that's where it's going. Most cases, check, check, check their mama, right? Because yes. most time, that's where it's headed. And Levi had a little practical knowledge. He said, I don't know if this works here, but he said, if, you're, if ugly, Mary's ugly, the kids are going to be ugly. <laughs> he said, just the way it is. <coughs> he said, if ugly, Mary's beautiful, then the kids could be tolerable. That's just some practical knowledge out there. Do what you want to do. But see, a, a person of love is willing to lay their life down. Hmm? Paul said, I am spent and will, and will let my life be spent for the cause of Christ. The Bible says that we are to submit to one to another and prefer one another in love. I'm preferring you over myself. I want you to have the best. It's not there's only two and I got to get one real quick. I want you to have that one, you to have the other one, and I'll believe God for another one. Or he'll make me one. Hmm? And when you have the love of God in you, then nothing that happens in your home and your marriage can't be resolved. You can ask any of my kids, have my wife and I ever disagreed? Yes, plenty of times. Have they ever heard us fuss and fight and throw things and cuss each other? Let's see. Well, Chad's here. You, you, you ever seen that? You're what, 31 years old? Have you ever seen me throw anything? Have you ever, heard, you ever heard me cuss your mother? You ever, you, you ever seen me slap her down the hallway? You ever seen her slap me down the hallway? I mean, have you? Have you ever seen that? We waited until I went to school. No, I was kidding. No, I was kidding. <laughs> oh, we better stop. They're coming off to school. <laughs> but see, I was a word man, right? I'm a word man. And I just believe that the word said it, 
then that's mine. I, I believe it. So I always told my wife, I mean, I mean she, it was the hardest thing that she, it's the one thing she disliked about our marriage. She said, you're just not, you're not affectionate. And I said, well, yeah, I am. She said, no, you ain't. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean by affectionate? She said, you just, you're not a touchy person. You know, and then some people are real affectionate and, and they're the, the tender, you know, they, they just like someone. <laughs> And, you know, I don't want someone messing my hair up all the time. <clears throat> I comb my hair real good right before I go to sleep. If I wake up during the night and go to the bathroom, I comb it when I go, before I go back to bed. <laughs> and the reason I do that is because I have a brother who's a little bit older than me. And so a lot of people say, y'all look just alike. So if that's true and the rapture takes place, I don't know what he's going to get. <laughs> And I don't want the Lord to mix us up. <laughs> and I know he don't comb his hair that much. So I want it to look a little bit different. But here's, here's the deal. I was reading a verse in Colossians one day. And I was reading a little mini book with that by John Osteen, which is Joe Osteen's dad. It was called, it was called a little yellow book called Love and Marriage. And I told my wife, I said, now I love you. But, I, but just because I don't do all that and, and pull on your ears, you know, and always, you know, and hold your hands till they sweat in, you know, and all that just don't mean I don't love you. I just, I'm just not that kind of. <laughs> How many of y'all understand what I'm saying? You're just, that, I mean, and some of you are like, well, I have to have that. <sighs> well, so <clears throat> I'm reading this verse one day. I'm reading this little mini book by John Osteen, and, and it gets to the book, and he's making this point. It gets to the. Colossians chapter 2. And it said, Be ye affectionate one to another. I just read over and kept on reading, and all of a sudden, this person from another world on the inside, he said, Whoop, 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 whoop. He said, Back up. And I said, I missed something. He said, Oh, yeah. He said, Turn the page back over. He said, Read that page there. So I read the whole page, and I said, Then I read the whole, you know, this little mini book. Be ye affectionate one to another. Be ye kind, affectionate one to another. Kept on reading, and he said, whoop, 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 whoop. He said, now read that part again. He says, before you read again, he says, do you believe that I would tell you to do something you can't do? I said, no, no, God, you're, no. You'd never t tell us to do something that we couldn't do. That'd be unjust, right? He said, okay, now read. Be you kind, affection, affectionate. He said, did I tell you to be affectionate? I said, looks like you did. He said, so could you be? And I said, I guess I can. He said, no. He said, just meditate on this for two, three days. I said, days. He said, days. He said, because you've always told your wife you're just not the affectionate type. Now I got revelations. So I looked in the mirror and I said, Dang, that looks good. Nice, good, nice, good. I said, I said, to see if y'all was awake. I said, well, boy, you are the you are affectionate. You are the affectionate type. Now I don't cry with movies that much, you know. It's just something, whatever, you know. But you know, if you watch them, when Lassie ran away, or you know got taken away, I mean, I didn't cry till she got back. You understand? <laughs> While she's trying to get home, I was making popcorn and get me some ice cream. I just, she'll get there if she won't. I don't really care. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so 
I read this, be ye kind one to another, be affectionate. So I just made, just that quick, I went, just like turn the switch, went, I said, <clears throat> I have the affection of the Lord in me. I, has lo I have his love in me. The love of God shed abroad in my heart. I can choose to be affectionate. You can choose to walk in love. You can choose to receive the love of the Lord. You can choose it. It's your choice, yes. right? It's your choice. Yes. Don't, don't tell me. I'm just not made that way because that's a lie. Yeah. Maybe you just don't know better. The fruit of the Spirit talks about is what? Love, joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and kindness, and meekness, and temperance. But really, the, love, the, the fruit of the Spirit is actually love. All the other fruit come out of love. Yes. So you are a loved child of a loved God and you have his nature in you, that life in you. So you're just nothing but love. Amen. Well, if someone is a person of love, how can they be love and not be affectionate? So I decided I would have to train me to be affectionate. So I started writing little notes. <clears throat> <laughs> and they weren't that good yet. In other words, uh, Hallmark didn't want to buy any of them at first. <laughs> but I was training myself to think like a person who's affectionate. So I went to the Winfrey one day, and uh, not the Winfrey, I went to the gallery, and I went to, uh, back then it was the uh, first time I did this, it was Parisians. And, uh, or is it Parisians now? No, it's Belks now, right? Parisians, before some of y'all was born. But anyway, so uh, I'm buying this really nice perfume. And she's wanting to talk to me. And she said, oh, she said, this is really nice. She says, oh, she said, all my friends love this. I said, well, that's good. She said, um, this is for your wife? I said, yeah, it's for my wife. She said, what's your name? I said, Michelle. She said, is it a birthday? I said, no, it ain't a birthday. She said, oh, you're buying it because Valentine's coming up. I says, no, I don't buy stuff when people tell me I got to buy stuff. If I want to buy something on Valentine's Day, I'll buy it on Valentine's Day, but I don't need someone to tell me on a certain holiday to do something. But move on past that. And she says, so what's the occasion? I said, it's Tuesday. She said, huh? I said, it's Tuesday. She said, you buy perfume on Tuesdays? I says, or it could be Wednesday or Thursday. I'm buying it because I want to. You got it. It's on sale. My wife likes it. I love her. I'm buying it. Do you get commission? It's a great day, right? She said, you mean there ain't no occasion? She says, yeah, the occasion is I love my wife. And I want to show her. I said, because I'm an affectionate husband. <laughs> she said, I can see you. I said, well, I just, I am what I am. <laughs> then I read the next card. <laughs> she said, praise the Lord. So she said, when you got hold of that and the grace of God, she said, you became a much easier person to live with. Hmm? So see, you can be who God made you. Yes. You just have to change your mind. That's really called walking in the Spirit. See, because I, I'm walking, the Scripture says walk, walking in the control of the Holy Spirit. See, he's, he's in control. I'm walking in his control. Anything outside of that is out of control. So you're either in control or you're out of control. And you being my people don't fix that. <laughs> See? Because if I could fix it, that means I'm controlling you. And there's enough pastors who's controlling people. Mm, 
truth. Hmm? But if you walk in his control, he's going to lead you to, he's going to, lead you to love and peace and joy and long-suffering and patience and goodness and temperance and kindness, right? Because that's, that's who he is. Amen. Right? And if someone offends you, you just won't take it offensive. Most time through the years, and I'm about to finish my 23rd year of pastoring, going my 24th in the month of June. And someone said, through the years, I've had this happen, I've had that happen, I've said things I wish I hadn't said, and it just, this, and I, oh Lord, I've said things I wish I hadn't said. I wish I hadn't come out that way. And then people would say something to me that they wish they hadn't said. But I, I'll be honest with you, most of the time, I, I don't even know what they were talking about when they said, I'm sorry I said this. I said, well, uh, sorry, you said what? You know, I said, mm, I don't. See, only people who are alive get that. I've decided to be dead. Dead, dead in Christ is where you want to be because there's no you. Paul said, Galatians 2.20, I died with Christ. You ever been to a funeral? <clears throat> did, did the deceased person sing a song? Did they preach their own funeral? Did they, have the, did they have a last conversation with you? Why? Because they're dead. If a fellow had died and say he was a little, he was a little given in to alcohol, did you see him drink any afterwards? Let's just say he's just flat out alcoholic. You go put a whole case of Jim Bean on the grave afterwards. Did he reach up and get any? Oh, you know why? He's dead. And if you decide to, decide to be dead, then you won't take all the offense. And you won't take all the hurt. See, because I'm staying hid in Christ. And when you do me wrong, you hit, see, you hit him, you hit me obeying him. Did, did you hear how I said that? Yeah. Now, I'm tying that. We'll go, I'm going to finish right here because it's time to go. But John, uh, Luke or John, depending on which one you go to, but Luke 6 says, and I've already quoted, he said, a wise man hears my words and does them. A foolish man hears what I say but doesn't do it. He said, when the storm comes, say that with me. When the storm comes. No, see, it doesn't say if a storm comes. When the storm comes, he said, a storm is going to come and it's going to hit your house. He said, if you built your foundation right on a rock, he said, it's going to withstand the storm. But if you built, a, you built it foolishly on sand, when the storm hits it, what happens? He said, the ruin of your house, of your home, and of your marriage is going to be great, and you're going to be the every other one that goes, and I just didn't get the right person. No, it's not that at all. Look, you have the love of God in you. Your love should be at least as great as a dog. You think so? Yeah. Dogs are some of the most loving, not cats, I don't think, but dogs are some of the most loving critters on the planet. Am I right? Yes. Huh? Yes. Did you know that your dog likes you better than most people do? Did you know your dog gets excited when you come home? Did you know your dog will lick your hands and be happy even when you're not nice to your dog? Do you know anyone who meets you in the driveway when you come home with their tail wagging? <laughs> You're back. You're back. Does your spouse do that? He's home. He's home. <laughs> I 
Do they jump up in your lap, lick you on the face? Honey, I missed you. (laughs) Now, do humans love like a dog? No. And that's why we say they are our best friends. Right? I don't know if we're their best friend. And I mistakenly heard a few of them. I mean, Amy had a cat, and one day she was on the top of my tire. I was coming to church, and it was raining. And, man, I ran up to the car in the rain. It was on Sunday. And I didn't know her cat was on the back under the well wheel of my truck. And I just got in. I put it in reverse. And, you know, a cat just holds on. Lexi asked me one day, we was coming to church years ago, and she was real little. And there was a, a, a little cat that was someone had hit, and it was in the road. It was gone. And she said, Papa, on the way to church. I said, what? She said, do these dogs and cats go to heaven when they die? And for the sake of a three-year-old, I said, sure. So we come to church. Way home, she knows the cat's still there. She said, Papa, are you sure all these cats and dogs go to heaven? I said, yeah. She said, that one didn't. (laughs) He's still stuck right there. (laughs) I said, that was a center cat. It went to hell. (laughs) Hmm? Whatever you are not receiving from someone that you need, a husband, a wife, a mom, a dad, a child, the Lord wants to fill that void this morning. Amen. It could be your pet hamster. It could be your baby lizard, Larry. He went to go be with Jesus. But he can fill all that void this morning if you'll just let the Father love you the way only he can love you. Just say this, man. Say, Father, this morning I receive your love to fill every void, every empty place, every hurting place, every place of life where life is taking it out. I ask you to fill me with all of you, spirit, soul, and body. In it right now, in Jesus' name, I'm full of your love, your comfort, your peace, your joy, and your affection. I am complete. In Jesus' name, Amen. But so just simply by a verse, I determined that I would be an affectionate person. Hmm? You just make a decision. So when we made that decision in our third year of marriage, in the first three years, was, was beyond bad. It was terrible. We just made a choice. Just one Sunday we made a choice. And I said, this won't happen no more. 
And she said, this won't happen anymore. And I said, I'll never say this to you again. I'll never bring this up again. You'll never, you'll never hear me when I'm mad at you. If I ever get mad at you, I'll never bring this up again. And she said, I'll never bring it up again. She said, as far as I'm concerned, that's never happened. And I said, that's never happened. If you bring it up, I won't, I won't even know what you're talking about. Because the Father's forgiven both of us, right? So if he doesn't bring it up, I won't bring it up. And I said, I'm going to love you with all the love of God that he has shed abroad in my heart, and I'm going to love you with his love. In other words, I can't do it in me, but he said he would furnish me the love to do it with. Amen. And if the Lord furnishes you the love and compassion to do it with, there's no excuse. Right? right. right? right. He said, well, you just know how I felt. But see, there's no you. You died with Christ. And now the life that you now live in, it's his life. If the Lord felt like people do and held things, he would end up paying you back. And if the Lord ever pays you back, you say, well, what was that? A little greasy spot, right? But how many know he's not paying us back? He told us, don't render evil for evil, right? He doesn't pay us back. Why would we go pay somebody back? So just choose to forgive them. The man that put the spear in Jesus' side just making sure he's dying. The man who put the nails in his hand. Jesus asked before his death, he said, Father, he said, don't, don't hold that to their charge. He said, don't hold that against them. Now, if a man comes with me a spear and I can call angels, angels are coming. <laughs> I'd like to think I'd be that brave. But someone comes to me with a mallet and a bunch of nails and a thorn and a whip and cat, cat and nine tails, we're going to get some help in the room. <laughs> Jesus said, for, for, forgive them and don't hold this to their charge against them. That's the same love that's in you right now. That's the same love that wants to reach out to your neighbor. That's the same love that wants to, to, to tell someone else how much God loves them. That's the same love that wants to pour out of you into their life. It's already in you. See, we just got to quit living life to ourselves. Well, I'm working on my happiness. Well, I'm working on my life. Well, I'm looking, working to increase my life. Well, you're going about it all wrong, and that's not how Jesus said how to build a life. See, that's you building your life. That's not him building his life in you. He's the foundation, and then you build on the foundation. There's men in here who know something about building. And if you get the foundation wrong, it doesn't matter what you do after that because it's all coming down. Can you imagine what the foundation looks like for the New York Empire State Building? Think it goes further than 18 inches? The higher you go up with God, the deeper you're going to have to go. If you want to go high, you go down deep. Because only what holds it up there determined by what's holding it down here. Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branch. But see, we just call it a tree, right? We don't, we don't look at a tree and say, uh, hello, tree branch. No, it's just a tree, right? He said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. So what he's saying is, whatever's in me is in you, right? The life of the tree, of the fruit tree, the apple tree, the fig tree, whatever it is, the life comes from, from the root system through the ground, right? And it comes through the roots, up through the tree, and it goes out on the branches. The branches is where the fruit is. So you and I are the fruit-bearing part of Christ. The fruit's not on him, it's on you. 
but you can only bear fruit. He says, apart from me, he says, you're not going to do anything. Apart from me, you're not going to build a marriage. You're going to have a fruitful marriage. You're not going to have fruitful finances. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to have joy. You're just going to be trying things all the time. They're not going to work. And then you're going to go and try it with somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to cry. And you're going to want to know why. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He didn't say little. He said nothing. So he says, stay connected to me. Stay in union with me. Then the life that comes up through me, he said, I'll disperse it into you. So whatever's in Christ is in what? Is in you. If it's not in Christ, it's not in you. Because whatever's in him is in you. If peace is in him, guess what? You have peace. If joy is in him, guess what? Joy is in you. If he feels funny today, guess what? You funny. Right? Now, if he's mad, I guess you'd be mad. But if he's full of life, you're full of life. Amen. Is Jesus enjoying healing today? That's what's in you. That's what you're rooted in. You're rooted in I can do. Amen.